Welcome back to The Yoga Show from Yoga Journal, your place to connect with thought leaders in the wellness community who are making waves, big and small. I'm your host, Lindsay Tucker, executive editor of Yoga Journal. And in this podcast, we produce four episode series around the themes of each issue of our magazine. The theme of our September-October issue is healing. And for this episode, we sat down with yoga and meditation teacher Rosie Acosta in her home in Southern California to talk about how she found her path toward wholeness. After a tumultuous childhood growing up in South San Gabriel in East Los Angeles, Rosie suffered from depression and anxiety throughout her late teens. As an adult, Rosie has faced multiple miscarriages while trying to get pregnant, which have motivated her to speak up about women's reproductive health and the stigma surrounding motherhood. We were also excited to chat with Rosie about her new podcast, WISE, an acronym for Women Inspiring Success and Empowerment, which has since become available wherever you get your podcasts. Here's my conversation with Rosie. You have a new podcast. I do have a new podcast. Tell us about that. Well, it, don't ever start two podcasts is the first thing <laughs> that I will say. So the disclaimer is there. Uh, the, the original podcast that I host is called Radically Loved Radio, and I've been doing it for the last four years. And I a couple of months ago, I was starting to just feel this desire to do something new. I was feeling a little bit stagnant as we do with things, you know, and they just start to feel a little bit mundane. And I was, I don't know what I was, I think I was just on a run or I was, I was outside and I started to just think about, I'm in the middle of writing my book right now. And I'm writing about the way that I grew up and just different things from my past. And one of the most poignant things that stood out that I loved writing about was how I grew up seeing my grandmother host these prayer circles and these, you know, they would, you know, this, like when we've talked about this before, but she would host these little gatherings and I love, and most of the time it was just women. It was the little like abuelitas, the little grandmas and moms, you know, from the neighborhood that had their kids or significant others or loved ones in jail or they were struggling with gang violence or drugs and they would all come and gather and and pray together and I I just started to think like wouldn't it be cool to how would how could we capture that and there's so many great podcasts out there there's so many really great women that speak about empowerment and encouraging each other to do better, to speak out. There's so many great, incredible movements led by very strong and powerful women. And I think that what resonated with me the most about those circles was how wisdom resonated so deeply with women as matriarchs in a family and, and the importance of the, for in our family or especially in the Latin culture, like the grandmother, the grandmother always has the right tincture. She has the right prayer she has the right advice even if it's sometimes a little bit jarring you know it's like we always look to the the grandma to to give us the wisdom and so then I just started play with that a little bit I'm like wouldn't it be cool to just gather a, a group of women and talk to them about wisdom and about being wise and about things in their life that they've gone through to cultivate their own wisdom you know and and then I just kind of started to build on that more. And this is all happening in my mind. And it was literally in a matter of j- just minutes. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just decided, I'm like, well, what? It could, it could be, I can start a new podcast, right? I'm like, I'll start something new. Because doing it on Radically Loved just seemed a little bit, um, it just didn't feel like it, it was radically loved. It felt like yeah. it needed to be its own thing. And then I started to come up with an acronym for it and I kept texting Tori. I'm like, what do you think of this? And of course he's not responding because he doesn't want another project to produce because he already produces the other show. And so then I thought, wouldn't it be cool to call it wise women inspiring success and empowerment? Because that's what wisdom ultimately does or it can lead to. Yeah, I love that. And I would create a, a a binge worthy type of show where it's a seasonal. It wouldn't be every week like Radically Loved is. It would be eight to 10 episodes and they would all, you know, come out, uh, one week after another, and then it would be done and that season would be done. And then we would do another season. So. Yeah. It's a great time to be a woman and also kind of a terrible time. Yeah. I mean, that's (laughs) like, man, that's like a mouthful, but you're totally right. I think 
especially now, you know, there's so many, it, it is a great time though. I mean, respectively, yeah. I, there are so many incredible movements with regard to women's bodies or body image or speaking out mm -hmm. and being able to have a voice. Um, yeah, I think that there's a whole new level of awareness, a level of care, a whole new level of um, reverence, I think, with seeing women come out and speak out and be heard and not have certain topics be taboo. Right. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of why we're here today, because we want to talk about an issue that's been, you've been dealing with, that is often thought of as taboo and yeah. not talked about nearly as much as it should be. Yeah, and, I, and not that I don't think it's not talked about enough. I just feel like there's so many women that suffer in silence. Yeah, I think suffering in silence is a huge issue for women across the board. Yeah, and to me, the big question is why, and, I, and the topic we're talking about is fertility or infertility. And it, it's the other bad F word, right? I think <laughs> yeah. uh, Lindsay and I spoke about this a couple of days ago. And for me, I think it's, it's been a, a two-year journey with my own body and learning and educating myself as much as I could about fer fertility and what fertility is and what does it mean to to be infertile and what does that look like and how do women deal with it? And I think it's anything that creates an ailment for your body or your mind to feel broken mm -hmm. is a topic that's going to be hard to talk about, Yeah, right? Just like any, any illness or sickness that we have to deal with. But I think for, for women in particular, especially women that want to have children, to hear that you very well may possibly not be able to have a child is probably one of the hardest things that you'll ever hear in your life, to, to not have the choice. Yeah. You know, and, and I, the women, and I've spoken to many women, I, I, I've become, become a pro at seeking out women going through the same thing or women that have gone through the same thing solely because you're looking for some respite. You're looking for just some type of healing, some type of connection to um, some hope, Yeah, you know. Yeah. And what I found is that, you know, a lot of women, they, they may have not even thought about having children or, you know, and they, they might have a diagnosis with, you know, something in their ovaries where they are now faced with having to make a decision or, yeah. or, you know, having to face the fact that this may not be something that they can do. And nobody talks about the ramifications of that. Right. You know, for some people, they can deal with it just fine. Some people, not every woman wants to be a parent. And, and that's another thing that I found as well. It's like yeah. there, I have girlfriends that do, do not want to have children. And, and I think that's awesome. Like, that's great to know that. Um, and I think for me, I didn't always want to have children. But when I got faced with the idea of not being able to, it really made me take stock and think of things in a different way, you know. So and, when did it all start for you? Well... Well, you said about two years ago. Yeah, right? about two years ago. So it was after the Live Be Yoga tour. It was uh, the end of 2017. Yeah. Yeah, it was the end of 2017, and I had been gone for 10 months. Mm -hmm. The tour didn't last that long, but I had been gone for 10 months. And I finally came back, and I was, you know, 34, and I was feeling like, okay, now I'm ready. My career, everything's going well. My podcast is doing well. We had just started to really gain traction with the podcast. I had my own teacher training and I was, you know, booking different events everywhere. I was doing some speaking engagements. I had just signed on with my agent. Like it just, everything was going 
well. And I was like, oh, this is a perfect time to try and have a child. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just throw a wrench in everything. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and because I knew, I didn't know, but I, I had heard from a lot of friends that, especially at, at that age, that it's considered a geriatric pregnancy. Yeah, I just found that out too. Because I'm 34 and someone was like, if you have a baby, it's geriatric. Geriatric, which I think <laughs> like, is like, come on, can we change the terminology <laughs> yeah. behind that? That is like terrible. So, so yeah, that was part of what was in my mind. And so I, I was all, already having this assumption that it was going to be something difficult. Yeah. Right? So yeah. that it was going to be something that was going to take a long time to have happen. And... So I came home, we, we started to try and took a pregnancy test and I was pregnant and six weeks later I was no longer pregnant. And okay. so we went to the doctor and the doctor's like, this happens sometimes and you should continue to try. Like there, there wasn't anything, there wasn't anything alarming of, you know, he, he didn't think there was anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what happened is uh, a couple months later, I got pregnant again, and then the same thing happened. And this was now towards the end of 2018. Okay. The doctor suggested that we go have some fertility tests done, that we should probably go see a specialist. And so we did, and the fertility specialist told us uh, to run a different array of tests, all kinds of different tests, and for Tori to get tested mm -hmm. and run all kinds of different types of tests. And it took about maybe over a two-month period to get through all the testing and to basically uh, get the results that I did. And the, the bottom line of what my results were, were that I had a diminished ovarian reserve and low ovarian function. And... When the doctor was telling me this, the fertility specialist, the way that she said it was basically, and, and everybody's going to have an opinion, right? That's not yeah. what the point of this podcast is and why I'm sharing this, because I know that people have all kinds of different remedies. People have different types of opinions. And the whole point of the matter was that the doctor, in so many words, told me that it was going to be really difficult and more likely than not, it wasn't going to happen. Oh, wow. Right. And so to me, that was, I'm not, I'm like, not the person you say no to. Yeah. Because I <laughs> just will make it happen. And I just don't believe that. That's not how I was raised. I mean, you know my story. You know how I grew up. I'm like, I survived, you know, growing up in an environment where there was violence and gang violence and drive bys. And I've seen people get shot and stabbed. And like, I've been able to come out of that environment. Right. So this is something that I was not going to allow to determine what my family life was going to look like. And so I took that as a challenge and I did so much extensive research. I started acupuncture. I changed back to being vegan. I, I went to Bali to do a panchakarma. Yeah. I, I, did all I went to see the Balinese priest. I came back and I went to Portland and I got the blessing from the Buddhist monk. I was in Italy and I went to like the Catholic church and I got the blessing for I did all of the things, right? And I was meditating on it and I was I was just willing my body to heal. Yeah. Like in a very aggressive way, you know. Yeah. In a way that felt very not kind. The Yoga Show will return in a moment after these messages. The idea when you're trying to manifest something, sometimes you get too obsessed with it. Yeah. And that it's actually harmful yeah. to the outcome. Yeah, and I think that that's, that had a lot to do with how I was mentally processing everything that was happening so stressful yeah it was creating so much stress and there was so much attachment to yeah. this thing because everything changes right because the minute that you get a positive pregnancy test i don't know you know if you're a planner like me i have a feeling <laughs> that you are but i'm like 
nine months from now, I have this event. I need to move that now. I need to change this. I mean, I have stuff on my calendar two years out. Yeah, of course. So I have to be able to move things around and planning and the sort of expectation of maybe this month it's going to happen and then nothing happens. Oh, maybe it's next month and it's going to happen. Then nothing happens. After about 12 months of yeah. that, your body just, everything so starts, yeah, it's dra- it's energetically taxing of every month consistently the disappointment of yeah the hope yeah the hope and the down the up and the down and pulling yourself out of that hopelessness and it started to feel very uh toxic Mm -hmm. you know this gripping this whole like feeling of i have to make this happen and so the beginning of 2019 through the middle of 2019 it was I got pregnant again, and the same thing happened. Uh, this time, the pregnancy lasted about uh, to about eight and a half weeks, so it was wow. pretty f- yeah. further along. Yeah. And to me, it was like getting pregnant. I was like, see, I knew I could mm-hmm. do it. I proved everybody wrong. I cannot wait to share this with the world, how, you know, not everybody's always going to be right. You should always trust yourself, trust your body, and, you know, then it didn't result. So then I go into the spin of not being able to trust my body, oh, no. not being mm-hmm. able to feel like I could do something. And that's, that's where it all kind of went awry. Right. And that's when I was telling you that I started to seek for groups or blogs or tags on Instagram where I just could feel some respite, some comfort, some sense of of feeling that I wasn't broken, that I wasn't less than, that I wasn't... And you were looking for other women who had not had the happy ending, Exactly. And so every time I kept finding somebody who had the exact same story as I did, but then they're like, and then we did it, and then we had a baby, and we we are happily, you know, it's happily happily ever after. And mm-hmm. as happy as I am for that person, it's still like, but but what if that's not going to happen, or what if that doesn't happen, or what if that didn't happen? Yeah. How do you deal with the in between? How do you heal your mind, body, and spirit from that in between state of? sadness and hurt and and inadequacy and did you find anyone i i did find some people but not many and and i think that that is what prompted me to actually come out and and start to share about it because i would hear it from so many people there's two two close friends that i have that are going through the same thing and we would get together and have these conversations and both of them are choosing different routes. One of them finally decided that she wanted to go through and uh, adopt mm. and then the other one decided to go through more testing, more uh, the sort of IVF mm-hmm. route, uh, which I respect both. You know, you do whatever is going to make you feel, you know, good yeah. Did about, you try IVF? about your decision. I haven't. Yeah. Um, the statistics aren't good. They're not good. And the doctor had, had said to me, and again, it's like whether you buy into what doctors tell you or not, she told me that the, the odds were not great. They weren't great already. And she didn't, she said that it would probably be, I would have better chances just trying on my own. Well, that's good that she gave you that advice because a lot of people. Oh yeah. They would totally, I have friends that have spent hundreds and thousands of yeah, dollars crazy. you know and costs. yeah and the sort of fallout from that I mean I couldn't imagine you know like I could not imagine because when you're in that in that position and it's something that you really want like so much you'll do anything right you'll pay anything you'll do whatever I'm like I don't need to buy a home like let's sell the home let's sell everything minus the dogs you know I'm <laughs> like I would sell Tori if I could no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But it's like you want to just give out you'll whatever it takes. Yeah. But there's a point where it's like, to me, how would I feel if it 
if it didn't then pan out the right. way I, I thought. Then there's that extra layer of financial yeah. stress. And exactly. And to me, the energy around that desperation mm-hmm. is a big red flag. Yep. And that red flag to me is is what caused a downward spiral of depression and anxiety. And and I know this because I've been there before 20 years ago. You know, when I was a teenager, you know, I went right back into the state of feeling like I'm not enough, I'm broken, um, my body can't do what I want it to do. How could I live without not, could I live my life without bringing, you know, my, a child into this world Mm -hmm. through me? If I want to be a parent and I want to be a mother, I'm going to be a mother. So that I know for sure. Yeah. Right. So it's not a matter of being a parent, those people that are listening to this or watching this, if you want to be a parent, there are so many ways you can be a parent. And we have kids, you know, we have two dogs. <laughs> those are our children. But I feel like the, the main point is the, the brokenness, I think, that you feel, the desperation, the feeling of not feeling like somebody understands where you are. Yeah. And, and having friends say the wrong things or try and placate your emotions or your your state and i i feel like there are other ways to support women that are going through that you know Mm -hmm. for me it was i isolated way more than i should have and i kept myself busy because Mm -hmm. you know i can do that Mm -hmm. to me it's like just pack the calendar pack it up like i'll fly here on the same day do this do that like let's just do it but then in turn what started to happen that with that is you start to affect your body in a negative way. And I realized that I was doing that too. I was pushing myself yeah. so hard because I was like, I don't care about this. Why do I care about my body? My body doesn't care about me. Yeah. Right? It's hard, yeah. Yeah. And it, that feeling of the, the, the tenuous relationship that we have with our bodies in general. Right. Right? Yeah. We add on that the function of the body is not, right air quotes yeah it adds a whole different element and for me i i realized that what remedied that and what helped my healing process was to let it go Mm -hmm. and to really let it go not let go because and then i'm like i'm gonna say this and people are probably gonna be pissed at me but it's like I have friends that try, that stop. The minute they stop trying, they got pregnant, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like that whole thing. It's like, oh, the minute you let your body relax, that's when it's going to happen. Great. I don't want you to be wrong. Right. But I also want to just give myself a true break, meaning I'm not doing this because I've heard that if I relax, it's going to make me. Yeah. You know, change my body somehow, because there's people that are listening to this that have had operations that know that they will never be able to birth a child. And so what do you say to that person? You know? Yeah. Like that's the whole point. I think that's the whole point of addressing fertility or infertility is there are women who are suffering and and going through this alone and not talking about it because number one, they don't know how or they don't want to hear the sort of blanketed band-aid advice from somebody that doesn't understand. Right. You know. So you were saying that you were talking to your two friends and they both had two different approaches. Oh yes. So they had two they had two different approaches and they we would all talk about how this process is really difficult and it's so important to have support and how they both stated that they wanted to share about this so i'm like somebody should write a book about this and one of my friends said i i will write about this when the process happens when i become a mom okay in the sense saying like once this we go through this and i'm on the other side of it then i'll talk about it and my other friend agreed same thing once i'm on the other side and i understood at that in that moment i agreed with them because I realized, wow, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a hard thing to put out there because you're opening yourself up to people's unsolicited advice. Yep. 
and people's opinions. But that's what social media is anyway. And and any social platform, you're opening yourself up, but it's also creating a a forum of support. Right? Mm -hmm. And so they said that they they would wait. I, in a sense, agreed with them, but it, it only took about four or five months for me to really sit with that and think about it and realize that if there's somebody out there looking for the same thing that I was looking for and all they're finding is once you're on the other side and what if there's women out there who can't afford to do IVF right who don't have health so insurance. many women so many so many and like what are they what are they supposed to do they can't pay whatever 20 to forty thousand dollars to do a yeah. round of IVF which I was just reading with 30 percent success rate yeah just about yeah 20 to 30 20 to 33 percent yeah that's crazy those are big odds that's a, <laughs> and you know there's some people that you, if you have insurance and that covers it all of, I've learned so much about insurance and like the what it covers what it doesn't how you can and get what insurance. does it cover well, it depends. If you have insurance that has fertility coverage, then I believe the fertility is covered. I didn't. So all of the testing, everything that I did was coming out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And that itself, I, I, I would have these conversations, you know, with Tori all the time. We'd be driving home from a doctor visit and I'd be like getting the bill. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like this how do people how how do people afford this like i have no idea you know <laughs> yeah so i i yeah i don't know i have a lot of opinions about that and the way that that system is set up but um i know that there are organizations that help with that there are um certain type of uh financial houses that can help people that are struggling financially and and I know that, but but I also just feel like it definitely needs to be something that is talked about a lot mm-hmm. more than than it is. Yeah. Two things that I think are really interesting that we sort of touched upon is one, the notion that, oh, I'm just gonna share when I'm on the other side. Yeah. Because we do live in this sharing culture of the perfect Instagram moment. Oh. You know, how many selfies did you take before you posted one? Mm. Um, how many filters did you put <laughs> on that thing? Yeah, and and we sort of know that it's detrimental to body image and self-esteem and happiness and everyone knows that. But when you think about it in the in the larger scale of not just Instagram but beyond, how how are the way how is the way that we're acting on social media sort of infiltrating into these other aspects of our lives? What else are we hiding now because we don't want to look perfect or because we want to look perfect? Yeah. Yeah, that's deep. Lens Oh my god. Dang. Prolific. No, I think it's no, I think it's totally <laughs> true. I I think for me it was seeing that picture perfect image of the family mm-hmm. life that I wanted. You know, so many and look, I so I I had a lot of a handful of my students got pregnant during this time, had babies, like one of my dearest closest uh, students made Tori and I the godparents of my very beautiful goddaughter, and she was pregnant at the same time that that I was oh, when yeah, you know when this happened. Tough. And but to me, like I think the only time I would ever get um, sort of triggered or I'd feel like a little bit irked is when I would see certain things on Instagram or on the internet where it's like this picture perfect. And I'm like, dude, trust me, you guys, I know some of you parents out there, you're like, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. I get it. I've heard it all. <laughs> I still want it. Sorry. Like, not sorry, not sorry, not <laughs> sorry. Um, but to me, the, the constant, it's almost like when you don't want to see it, you see it all the time. It's like when you're really wanting your partner to propose to you and all of a sudden you see all the engagement yep. pictures come up. Everybody around the holidays like does the total cliche thing of getting engaged, you know. Which my dad just did. <laughs> he did? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Are you serious? <laughs> I swear to God. 
<laughs> Tori at least waited like a month later. He waited until Martin Luther <laughs> King Day to propose. So at least there's that. But it definitely does do something to you mentally. I, I'm, I'm, the whole FOMO thing is real. When you see it mm-hmm. out in the world, all you're thinking about is this person has everything that I want and why not me? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I took a lot of social media breaks during this time, especially when I would get into those really low points where I just felt like, why am I even doing this? Why do I even care? Why does this even bother me? I would find myself having to take some time away from social media. And I think that's when I was really looking, looking to find blogs or podcasts. There's some great podcasts out there specifically around infertility and uh, women, women's health. And those were really great and very informative. But I, I didn't really hear too many women just talking about the actual process, like how shitty you feel and how it like completely depletes your energy. And it, it takes away the color of everything in your life. And, and if you don't have the right support and it's hard. And the other thing, the other, the thing that I didn't, we didn't actually talk about you and I, when we chat on the phone was how it affects your partner. Oh yeah. Like the, the poor men out there or women that have to deal with your partner's hormonal imbalance and just ups and downs of, of, you know, going through something that you have no control over. Yeah. You know, I didn't actually start thinking about what, how it affected him because I was so in my own process and how he wasn't doing the right things to support me. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, why don't you know how to support me or my friends? Like, why don't you know the right thing to say to me right now? Because right now I don't want you to be, to say to me, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Why don't I, and why not? And why does that bother me so much? Why did it bother me so much for people to be like, don't worry. Like, it's going to be fine. You'll get pregnant. Because people that are grieving don't want to hear that. And no one seems, people don't know what to say. Yeah. And that's something that we talked about on our podcast with Liz and Jen, um, that people don't know what to say when you're grieving. And when you're grieving, a lot of times what you, you just want someone to say, man, that sucks. Yeah. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Like, what can I do? Yeah. How can I be here for you? Yeah. Let's go get coffee. Let's go to a yoga class. Yeah. Let's... You don't need cheerleaders all the no, time. No, you don't need cheerleaders all the time. It's okay to be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. if, your fr- if your friend's grieving or anxiety or stress or depression make you uncomfortable, that's okay. You know, just be there. Yeah. Just be there for them. Sit in it. Sit in it. That's yeah. part of, that's what relationships are built on. We, we, we can't put a Band-Aid on it. It doesn't work like that. And the other thing is we also can't put a Band-Aid on ourselves. We have to be able to do the work to process. And on the road to my healing journey, I found that really being able to let go of all the things that were going on in my life at that point was a huge weight off of my shoulders talking about on the other side now I feel like I am on the other side of it even though I'm still in the process it's still very much real and everything I'm still talking about if it sounds a bit elementary to some people it's because I'm still learning and I'm still trying to go through this process but I want people to at least know that there is somebody else going through the same thing yeah We'll be right back with more from The Yoga Show. So what are some of the things that you have done to sort of help yourself let go and heal? I think the main thing that I will always go back to is to just be in my sanctuary space. Mm -hmm. To just be still and not do too much like give myself more time being at home like not doing anything playing with my dogs yeah meditating 
and not meditating on channeling my spirit baby. <laughs> like meditating, going back to all of my tantric practices, my mantra, moving my body for no other reason than to just feel good. Mm-hmm. I think I had to sort of go back to this what worked for you 20 years ago and it's shifted but how do you pull out of that because 20 years ago you were going through depression yeah yeah 20 years ago i was i was on medication for anxiety and agoraphobia i wouldn't leave my i was like afraid of leaving my house because i was scared that i was gonna die yeah you know and truth be told i had witnessed you know people shooting other people and I laugh because it's just like it's crazy it's a crazy thing to be able to to see like people people have this fear of uh leaving their space but I had a a big reason yes you know we lived next to some pretty unsavory characters so it wasn't offbeat for me to have that paralyzing fear and now I wasn't going through the same thing now, but the taste was the same. Yeah. It, it felt crippling emotionally, mm-hmm. although I could still function in the world. And, and I wrote about this in, in my blog because what I would think about, you know, last year was how could I help people right now? Like how I have clients that I work with. I have my students that are relying on me. Like I have people that that want to learn from me how could they learn from somebody that feels so broken yeah you know yeah like that was the most challenging thing i think to push through this is so interesting because even now i know you have put a lot of thought into self-care but you are still you were going through the most traumatic thing and you are still worrying about other people. And I think that is, as women, something that we do all the time, especially um, people, you know, in the yoga space, yeah. I think teachers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're so right. <laughs> yeah. Because that was always my number one concern. I'm like, I have to show up. Yep. I can't not show up. You know, Tori would pick me up from the airport and I'd be like in tears because... I'd feel so tired of, mm-hmm. of being tired, you know? Yeah. I was just, like, so tired. I was emotionally drained. And he would say, you need to take a break. Yeah. You need to stop. And I'm like, I can't. I cannot. I cannot take a break. It just doesn't work that way, you know? And the universe saw it fit to give me breaks, some things didn't pan out and it was yeah. almost like the universe saying, Hey, this retreat is not happening this week. Mm. And so that to me were the signs that I needed to, to, to be like, okay, <laughs> like this doesn't need to happen right now. I need to really stop and take stock. But I think that we go into that default as healers, as teachers, as people in the world who go out there and, and teach and want to provide so much content. Like, how do we feed, how do we refill that cup? What do we do to heal? What do we do to nourish? The way I see it is I can, I can plug in for a little bit and go for a long time. Yeah. Me being home for a 24-hour period is enough to carry me through a couple of months. Like, I just need a little bit, you know. I, do I like more? Of course. But it's also extremely... Uh, healing for me to be of service yeah and and i i'm a firm believer of the adage of when you're hopeless help somebody Mm, when you feel helpless help somebody so i come from that school of thought Mm -hmm. even from back back then you know when i was a teenager it was still the same feeling because i grew up around you know, my parents, they didn't have much, but they were always giving it away. Mm-hmm. 
like they were always we were the the house the sort of refuge that people would come to like when they didn't have family or they didn't have money they didn't have um money to buy groceries like i remember a neighbor that lived right up the street could barely afford to feed her kids and her kids would always and i always thought it was fun i'm like oh these kids are always here why are they always here you know and I remember my mom saying to me, they can't eat at home because they don't have food at home. So you need to be really grateful that you have home, that you have food here. And I just would always think like, wow, I have to be grateful that I have what I have. Yeah. And that sort of giving mentality always created some sort of uh, comfort and feeling of contribution. And I felt that that was my way of adding value. And it made me feel valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, it gave me a sense of purpose and a sense of connection. And in a time when you're going through something hard, and I'm sure that you can relate to this, it's like when you're going through something really hard, you feel totally disconnected. Like nobody understands you. Nobody gets what you're going through. Nobody can say the right thing. But what value then are you providing out to the world that's going to create something of substance yeah so then what are you going to do it's like what are you just going to lay down and die what do you do some people you know it's like they really go deep into that yeah that's a really dark place to be i've been in that space too and it's not it's not fun it's not good but i feel like i wasn't in that dark of a place i was in a dark place but i was in a dark place where i felt like i needed to have that value you know and i feel like maybe a lot of teachers healers out there especially yogis Mm -hmm. teachers that they just want to give how many stories have we not heard of people going through something really traumatic dealing dealing with trauma or dealing with addiction or just not feeling like they were enough or loved and then they become yoga teachers and they just want to go out there and be healers to the world i applaud that great do that because if that's going to give you a sense of connection and purpose in turn not only is it filling you but it's also filling other people yeah like what better way to just to be contributing to society to health to other people's health your own health yeah yeah well, you keep saying the word value, and I can't help but think about um, how, as women, our value is so often wrapped up by society in being mothers. Mm. I have personally made the choice. I don't want to have kids. That really bothers some people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the oh, guy yeah. that I buy wine from won't stop asking me when I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, that is, that's funny. <laughs> He's like, what's happening? Well, it's interesting because that was one of the things that really bothered me during this process because people would always ask us especially in the process like about a year and a half ago or two years ago it seemed like we put that energy out there and all of a sudden people were starting to ask us Mm -hmm. and it wasn't even to ask us it would be the don't you guys want to have kids like what do you say to that one of our friends asked us that right after my second miscarriage happened and I just wanted to just wring her neck I was so like can we just make a pact right stop asking women yeah don't like and don't (laughs) assume don't assume that people want to have kids like that's another thing that i did find in my process of asking everybody i'm like wait what do you mean like what i mean i'm i'm guilty too because i'm like how do you not Mm -hmm. what do you mean but now understanding like oh this is this is a decision that we can make yeah and we need to be able to respect that as women to respect each other i think that that's taking us out of this old paradigm of what a woman is supposed to be yeah and who she's and what she's supposed to be like and what her role is yeah i feel like people are very threatened by that oh yeah it's breaking the status quo and you know like i've said before i i am going to be a mother yeah and however that happens it's going to happen that way and yeah. that's just going to be the way it's going to be so i can i can bury myself in that resolve and know it 
and then the rest of it, leave it to God or to the divine, and it just is going to be what it's going to be. And I think it's, a, it's similar to that same inquiry for you is the same as people messaging me like, have you tried this? Like, mm-hmm. have you tried to channel your spirit, baby? Have you wrote it a hundred times? Did you bury it under the earth? Did you do the <laughs> new moon ritual? Did yeah. you make sure that you did this? Like all of the things. And the answer to that is yes, I did all the things. And second is, what are you going to say if it doesn't work? Mm-hmm. If, it, if it doesn't turn out that way, then what? Then is something wrong with me? What are you implying? Yeah. Wh- wh- what does that, does that mean I... I'm not pregnant because I didn't pray hard enough, because I didn't try hard enough, because I didn't eat enough kitchery, because, like, what, why, right? And it shouldn't matter. And the other thing is, like, it shouldn't be anybody's fucking business, like, what you decide to do or not do. I think as women, yeah, I think as women, the most important thing is to support each other, like, there's so much conversation about women's bodies and women's health and what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. It's like, how about we just support each other? Mm-hmm. Like, how about we just love each other? How, how about we just, oh, great, that's what, cool. Yeah. Right on. What kind of wine were you buying? You know, like, <laughs> what, why is it that that, because for some people that is what creates fulfillment for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've had to do a lot of inquiry instead of the inquiry of when am I going to bring this baby here? How come I'm not bringing this baby here? It's like, why do I want to be a parent? And it's not why do I want a baby? It's why do you want to bring another soul into this planet? Yeah. That baby turns into an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That is going to cost way more money than IVF. <laughs> so why do, why, what does mothering mean? What does being a parent mean? What kind of value am I going to bring into this world? What, what kind of value am I going to provide this life? What is my contribution to that as opposed to it feeling as it did sometimes self-serving, like I want a baby Yeah. for me. You know, I know I have plenty of friends who have had babies because they want to save their relationships and it did not. That scares me. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and and now what? You know? Yeah. So, yeah, there's so many different variables, I think, in, in this journey. And I feel like one of the things that I really want to bring awareness to is fertility as a whole. Learning different ways to care for our fertility, especially women out there who haven't thought about having kids that maybe they do maybe they don't but just having the information and knowledge about how your body functions i was embarrassed when i went to the fertility doctor Lindsay, and she was showing me how ovaries worked okay i'm like i am 35 years old and i don't know what my ovaries do when i have a period (laughs) like what and why is that? That's not your fault that you right? don't know. Exactly. That's because we obviously we don't learn it in school. Like no. I did, and I took anatomy for two years because I was thought I was going to be a doctor, and then I realized I just want to be a yoga teacher. Don't say just. Um, right. That's right. You're right. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Um, but I was I was embarrassed. I mean, I remember like even calling some of my friends and being like, "Did you know that this is what happens to your ovaries? Like that does this thing, and then." The egg comes in and then it sheds and what sheds is the lining. And I was blown away. I had no idea. And I was like, I, I shouldn't be 35 and not know this about my own body. Right. So, so that's my. But again, you shouldn't feel shame about that. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But that's, that's again, in process of breaking that paradigm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Too much, we put too much pressure on ourselves. Yeah, work in progress. I'm going to just hashtag WIP. <laughs> All of us. Yeah. So what would you say then, what do you want to say to other women out there who are going through the same thing, who are looking at all the happy families on Instagram, oh. who can't find 
the other side? I will say that we're already on the other side. Yeah. And you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You are beautiful. You are a strong and powerful woman. You have so much value to give. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to go there alone. That's what I would say. Yeah. That you're not alone and there are other women going through the same thing. Find them and just hug them. Do you have any advice for finding community? Yeah, you know, I did find some really great um, Instagram handles and... Um, if you, well, it's kind of a slippery slope if you hashtag infertility because that's, that's where I was finding a lot of the, and now we're pregnant, yeah. you know, uh, which is great. Like, I don't want, I think that's amazing. I think that the women that are even listening to this that went through what I'm, what I'm talking about and went through, like, great, please keep talking about it. Talk to other women that are in the process, but be sensitive to their own process because us just saying, like, you'll get pregnant, don't worry. Yeah. I think just adds fuel to the fire sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes we just don't want to hear that. Yeah. Keep your opinions to yourself. Keep your, keep your opinions to <laughs> Those of you that are opinionated, whatever, that's fine. They can come for me. They've come for me before. <laughs> I don't care. Um, but if you're suffering in silence, like talk to somebody. You know, I, I love to, ever since I, I posted on Instagram a couple weeks ago and I've been talking about it openly on my blog and hopefully I, I get to share also on Yoga Journal yep. and, and their incredible platform. Um, just reach out. It's always nice. There, I reached out to people. I emailed people that had blogs mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm, I'm going through this and this is what, this is what the, I, the fertility doctor said to me and I just read on your blog that you had the same thing, and I just want to say thank you for writing this. And 100% of everybody that I reached out to got back to me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for opening up and sharing with us today. Thanks, Lindsay. So special and brave and awesome of you. Thank you. Thanks for letting me share, and thanks for providing this platform for me to share and for being so easy to talk to. Mm. <laughs> You're welcome. And where can listeners go to find more information on you? Uh, they could go to my website, radicallyloved.com. And I'm, I love Instagram. I'm on there more often than I will admit ever. <laughs> uh, at Rosie Acosta and on Twitter, at Rosie Acosta as awesome. well. I'm pretty responsive, so just message me. Yeah. And you can also listen to Radically Loved podcast. And wise. And wise, damn. <laughs> New podcast alert. <laughs> wise podcast. Yeah. Check it out. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to Rosie for joining us on the podcast. Check out Rosie's podcasts, Radically Loved Radio, and Wise. And tune in two weeks from now for a new episode of The Yoga Show. In the meantime, you can follow me at lins.tucker on Instagram for more from Yoga Journal and beyond. The Yoga Show is produced by me and Aviv Rubenstein. Follow him on social media at Rambo Calrissian. Theme music by Katie Canavan. More from her at Accordion to Katie on Instagram. Until next time, for The Yoga Show, I'm Lindsay Tucker. We'll see you on the mat. If you're looking for ways to decompress while discovering fresh perspectives on yoga and wellness, tune into our sister podcast, Why Now? Hosts Monica and Cameron talk to yogis from around the country on the intersections of self-care, social justice, relationships, and more.